It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. And we're so glad you joined us today. I'm so happy to have my (laughs) co-host back on this week. I'm happy to be here. But thank you so much for holding down the fort. I loved listening to Aaron and Donnie. And Donnie did a great job sharing his testimony. I'm so so. glad he was bold enough to to come do that. Because I mean, just we weren't really sure if he would. But uh, he did. So very proud of him. We had a good time, but it was definitely different without you. So I'm glad well, you're back. I miss being here. But Everybody's I'm, well. Everyone's well. Yeah. Yes. I feel like, you know, we keep saying somebody is sick and <laughs> I we, we, I don't know. It's just been crazy, but hopefully we've had it all now. Yeah. You know, so, that's been going around. So hopefully we're all good now. We were done. Yeah. We got it all, all <laughs> out of the way. So we should be good now. Yep. I hope. So we are going to continue on this week with our study in 1 Corinthians. We didn't get to finish up chapter 3 the last time we were together. So we're going to finish that up and move into chapter Mm 4. So let's just dive right in. You ready? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. So let's just take a look at verses 16 through 17 of chapter 3. That's where we left off the other week. And it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. So these verses, Ashley, are coming off the heels of Paul describing something being built. Yes. Remember, we talked about that like that a couple of weeks ago yeah. now. So if you'll recall, we talked about the foundation was being laid. And what was that foundation? Salvation. Salvation. Yes. And it was based on Christ alone. That's what our foundation is based off of. Then he talks about the materials used to build upon the foundation. And we talked about that's our works. And if our works... For Christ are with a pure heart and based on a genuine desire to live for the Lord. It is then equated to gold and silver and precious stones, materials that will last when it's tried by fire. And so then he he concludes then that you are the temple of God. Mm. That's sobering to think about don't you think yes (laughs) so that's what's being built in you a dwelling place for the holy spirit you are the temple and the spirit of god is in you the temple of god is holy and what is the temple you are and the importance of this would have been understood by the jews as they would have known the old testament and the importance of the temple and the shekinah glory of god that dwelled there There were ceremonial laws that would have been performed before the high priest could even enter the temple. And now Paul is equating that majesty and glory to be indwelling within every believer. And we've got to understand the importance that the Holy Spirit resides within us so that we could then understand the importance of what it means to live holy lives. It's important. And as Paul will go on in his letter, 
He's going to look at particular sins, but it's all for us to remember the great responsibility we have as Christians to honor the temple that God has given us because the Holy Spirit lives within us. So we have a responsibility. Don't corrupt it. You have a big responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So as noted in Barnes' commentary, it says, A temple was an edifice erected to the service of God. The temple at Jerusalem was not only most magnificent, but was regarded as most sacred. From the fact that it was devoted to his service and from the fact that it was the peculiar peculiar residence of Jehovah. Among the heathen also, temples were regarded as sacred. They were supposed to be inhabited by the divinity to whom they were dedicated. Now can we understand just how blessed we are that the Holy Spirit dwells within us? It's not something that we should take lightly. And I think as Christians, we forget that. We forget how important it is. And we do take it lightly. And I just think about when God was building the tabernacle and the chair, just all that went into that. And when they were, when he freed them from Egyptian bondage and they had, they set up the temple in the wilderness and all that went into that. Yeah. And the poles they had to carry it on. I mean, just everything, everything. was, it, ha- it had to be this way. He gave very everything specific instructions. Yeah. Yes. Everything was- had importance and there was a reason to it. And I remember that one story that they, when they were carrying it, they actually didn't accidentally touched it and they got their hands off the poles. Yeah. He died. Yeah. Like he was struck dead, <laughs> you know? So it's very important that yeah. we have this Holy Spirit living inside. We are now the temple and we have to take care of it. We have to protect it. Yes. And respect it. Yeah. And it's like, we would never go into a church. You know, you think about this. We would never go into a church or sanctuary and vandalize it. Do no, no. I not. mean, we would never do that because it's holy. We know that that church and that place is holy. And yet that's not where the spirit of God resides. He doesn't yeah. dwell in the church like he did in the Old Testament times yeah. within the altar. And he dwells within us. So Paul goes on to reiterate this thought again in 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. And in 2 Corinthians 6.16, it says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." You know, sin was growing in the church, and Paul noticed this. So he's reminding them that they are the temple of God. And, I mean, it leads me to think, are you honoring the temple that God has given you? You know, the foundation is built on Christ. Your work should last when tried by fire, and now your body should be holy, for God is holy. And that thought should humble all of us when we think of the responsibility that we have as Christians. Right. If we took this as seriously as we should, we would not be consuming the things, mm-hmm. you know, that we are, the things that aren't honoring to God. We would not speak or say things in a way that brought reproach upon the Lord. We would, you know, esteem him and everything that we do. And yet we still sin. Mm-hmm. We still dishonor the Lord with the temples he has given us. And as we've said before, Paul even struggled with this. As he said in Romans 7, the things that I know I shouldn't do, I do. You know, and the things that I should do, I don't do. 
But ultimately, as believers, we should seek to honor God with our temples as best we can. And when we fail him, we should humble ourselves and confess our sin and turn from it. And that's the key, right? Yeah. True We're repentance. going to sin yeah. that we should repent and we should strive to live holy lives. So that concludes uh, chapter three. And I wanted to make sure we touched on that because as we go in and start talking about um, particular sins and start growing and sanctifying and what all of that means, as Paul is going to describe, mm-hmm. uh, we have to understand that. We are the temple. That's why it's all so important. It's important, yeah. So chapter four begins by saying in verse one, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So as we are looking at this verse, what is a steward? A steward is one who takes care of the affairs of another. The steward was the master's deputy in regulating the concerns of the family, providing food for the household, seeing it served out at the proper times and seasons and in proper quantities. Denise Pass from First Five put it this way, we don't just treasure the gospel for ourselves, we speak it and live it to multiply God's kingdom. So think of your husband as the steward of your home. If he worked and provided for your family and yet he kept everything for himself, he would not be considered a good steward over what God has given him because he wasn't providing for those who rely on him. So the same is true for the lost in the world. What kind of stewards of the gospel would we be if we kept everything we know about salvation all to ourselves? And I'm just going to throw in a little tidbit. That's why I have an issue with Calvinism. Mm. Because if we, it's already predestined who is going to be saved, then what's the purpose of sharing the gospel? Because yeah. those are going to be saved anyway. anyways. Yeah, true. Yep. That's just a little tidbit that I want to throw in before we continue. <laughs> but that's why it's important to share it. And as verse 2 says, to be found faithful with God, with what God has entrusted to us. So what an honor, as Paul goes on to say in verse 3, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. So just remember that at Corinth, the church at Corinth had been casting judgment on the pastors who they had heard, right? Mm-hmm. Remember yep. we talked about that in several mm-hmm. episodes. Paul, Apollos, Peter, and just like many of us, Paul had to navigate serving Christ and honoring Christ with what he did and what he said versus the approval of others. And let's go ahead and come to terms with this now. Serving Jesus is not always going to be popular, right? right? That's right. And you would expect that it wouldn't be popular among believers, but sometimes it's not even popular among Christians. Because the fact is, a lot of people say that they're Christians, but when it comes to fully surrendering to God above all else, they will make the popular choice, not the one that honors God. But Paul had determined that he was not living for the judgment of others, but to be faithful to God. Mm, that's and quite, so we what can a great example. Live for by us. Paul, yes, yeah. by his example that he set. So, you know, culture will tell us that our worth is determined by our reputation, our social status, the amount of money we have in the bank, you know, what kind of college we attended, Mm -hmm. if we attended college or if we didn't (laughs) attend college, you know, and how big our house is or what kind of car we have. You know, Paul didn't have any of those fancy things. He lived for an audience of one. 
There is no higher honor than living for the Lord. And no matter what anyone else says or thinks about you, Jesus even says in Matthew 23, 11 through 12, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You know, we will be popular for serving Jesus, especially in a world that rebels against his authority. So we've got to go ahead and determine for ourselves now, no matter what others think of us, we're going to live for Jesus. You know, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And how many times do people put that in their houses? You know, they've got a right. little, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But, but do are we you, actually live that way? <laughs> are you actually living by that verse? You know, and then Paul goes on to set their record straight based on some of the assumptions that they were making about the ministers of God. So let's continue reading in verse nine. For I think that God hath set forth us the apostles last as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but yea, are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands being reviled. We bless being persecuted. We suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. So according to verse 6, the Corinthians had become puffed up. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, they were very prideful in the church and among their leaders. They were looking to leaders who were upholding the culture's standard of popularity. And when we dive deeper into what Ashley just read, we realize that the true gospel ministers were not always popular. They were the servants. Some Bible translations call men like Paul slaves of the gospel. John Gill's commentary said they loathed the apostles' ministry and the pure preaching of the gospel, imagining that they had attained to something above it and stood in no need of it, when alas, they were but babes, children in understanding and needed milk instead of strong meat. So far were they from being what they thought themselves to be. Mm. And, you know, Ashley, as I read that, I felt that we could liken this analogy to many pastors. And oh, will, yes. Pastors. Pastors. You know, yeah. they're popular among people because they're not preaching the That's pure right. gospel, right? right? Yes. Um, they tiptoe around sin so not to hurt people's feelings and avoid anything deemed controversial in the Bible in order to maintain their large audience. And in yeah. return, the church is still on the milk of the word because they're being served this watered-down version of the gospel that only portrays God as a God of love and not judgment, mm -hmm. a gospel that allows you to continue in sin with no repentance. And that's not the gospel at all, right? That's right. And I, I think, you know, if you're going to church and you never leave convicted about mm -hmm. something in your life, right? You need to check where you're going to church because we should all, I mean, I'm convicted. I'm, oh, I, yeah. we could always do better. We should always leave with some conviction yeah. from a pastor's message. Well, and, I, you know, I think sometimes we get caught up in that we want to leave church feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling on yeah. a high. It's all about the feeling. That's right. And that's not bad. No. You know, sometimes it's great to leave and you encouraged. you do have some of those I need times. encouragement mm -hmm. at times, but there are other times that I need to leave conviction. Humbled, right? Humbled. Yes. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. I need to leave that way so that I will 
want to change my life yeah. because if I'm always leaving on a high, good, then I'm never going to do anything to change well, the way that I'm living. Just like Donnie said in the last episode that we did with him last mm-hmm. week, you know, he mentioned, well, you know, when everything's going good and everything's going great, right. do you need God? Yeah. You don't turn to him. Do you because turn to everything him? Is, everything's wonderful. Everything's great. But everything's no, good. it's when everything's bad is when, you know, you tend to, tend to turn to him. Right. So if we're never feeling that conviction... Chances are we're probably not turning to him yeah. as much as we need to. And so that's why it's important about what church you go to. Because yeah. it's not just a concert. That's you right. You know, as a lot of people want to, Production. to think that it is. It's not just a motivational speech, that's right? right. Um, it is supposed to convict. It is supposed to change lives. Right. Now, there is a part that you have to play in that as mm-hmm. well. Coming with an open heart, ready to receive whatever is, is taught to you yep. and, and shared from the word of God, but then also having your own personal quiet time. So there is That's a personal right. responsibility to that. Yep. But if you're constantly leaving church, like on a uh, high, yeah. that's good. Sometimes we need that. Right. I've been in churches sometimes and been, uh, you know, heard preaching that always beat you down. Oh, and yeah. that will wear you too. out too. That'll wear you out you know? too. <laughs> Most definitely. You need both. Been there too. Yep. You need both. You so. do. Yeah. A good mix. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's continue because in verse eight, Paul says, we were made a spectacle unto the world mm-hmm. and to angels and to men as it were appointed to death. And I looked at several commentaries about this and everyone said it the same. This word spectacle could also be interpreted as like theater, yeah. if you would think about it. And if you... If you go back to like Roman theater where there were gladiators, they would have fought wild beasts in this arena in mm-hmm. a stadium in front of people on display to face imminent death. Paul was completely exposed. Every trial on display for others to see and to be judged by them. And yet he maintained his faithfulness to the Lord. I was a fool for Christ while you appeared wise. I was weak while you looked on as strong and honorable And I was despised through all of that. I hungered and thirsted and had nowhere to lay my head. I worked hard and was persecuted. All to have you defame me, put me down, talk about me. And so that's that's convicting Mm. when you think about that. He wasn't held in this popular regard, you know. Yeah. He was on display for everyone to see his faults, but also... um, They talked about him. And Well, I think a lot of us can relate that our on a spiritual walk with God and we're clo- we're close to the Lord. We're in ministry. And I think that we can al- really relate to Paul. Absolutely. And so when you get down on your pity parties that, oh, wow, it's just always people attacking me. And, you yeah. know, every time I turn around, I take three, four steps back. Yeah. The same was with Paul, like yeah. the greatest apostle, arguably, you know, greatest follower of God of all time. So, I mean, yeah. why would you think that the world's not going to persecute you? Exactly. So let's continue reading in chapter four, Ashley. It says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel and all that he said before, how they mistreated him and talked badly about him. Paul wasn't scolding them to put them down or to bring shame on them. He loved them with a fatherly love and was teaching them guiding them as a loving father would. In essence, he felt a strong bond to them as a father would a son, and he wanted what was best for them. He did it all out of love. Paul also lets them know that he is sending Timothy to them, who he also loves like a son, to teach them. 
But he concludes by letting them know that he's not afraid to come himself and that if it be the Lord's will, he will come to them himself. So verse 21 says, What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Albert Barnes' commentary says this, It depends on yourselves how I shall come. If you lay aside your contentions and strives, if you administer discipline as you should, if you give yourselves heartily and entirely to the work of the Lord, I shall come not to reprove or to punish, but as a father and a friend. But if you do not heed my exhortations or the labors of Timothy, if you still continue your contentions and do not remove the occasions of offense, I shall come with severity in the language of rebuke. I feel like my father is talking to me right there, right? Right? Like, (laughs) if you don't listen to me, (laughs) yeah, you're going to get a spanking. Yeah. But if you listen, then you will learn something and you will grow. And I'll come with love and minister you as a father would. Yeah. I would hate (laughs) to face Paul's rebuke. Could you imagine? (laughs) No, no, I could not. So what's the purpose for all of this today? So I can't help but go back to the beginning of our lesson today and how Paul focused on living for an audience of one. And back in verse one, that word servant interprets huperatus, which means a subordinate servant who functions as a free man. And as Christians, we are free to do what we want, when we want, how we want, and serving the Lord is a choice. So the purpose of today is to examine who are you serving yourself or God. Paul willingly laid down his social status, his clout in society to be a servant of the Lord. And it wasn't always easy. It didn't come with accolades or awards. As a matter of fact, it came with humility, what the world would deem as weakness and being despised. But everything he did came with great purpose because it pointed people to the one who displayed the ultimate humility because of his great love. And that was Jesus himself, right? Yeah. That's the ultimate example. Isaiah 53, 3 says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus suffered it all, right? He went through all of that so that we could be saved. It didn't matter what people said about him, how they treated him. He set the example of living for an audience of one. And verse 10 says, yet it pleased the Lord. And like Jesus, that should be our goal in everything we do, to live and to die, to please the Lord. And what if Jesus didn't? I know come and live for the audience of one. What if he let the naysayers, what if he let those people get in his mind and because Mm -hmm. it wasn't popular, you know, what if he had, he had the power to call 10,000 angels to come and rescue him. You know, that's what the people wanted him to do. And he could have done it. You're the Christ. But he chose not to because he knew that he had to fulfill the mission that God had called him to do so that we could all experience salvation. And that was ultimately what living for an audience of one was. He was doing what pleased the father. Yep. And that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. How humbling that should be. I mean, it really is. When you put it all together, that we are the temple of God. You know, our bodies is where the spirit of God indwells. We have this responsibility as Christians. 
Jesus displayed that ultimate example for us. Mm -hmm. Here Paul is displaying an example and teaching the Corinthian church, like what it truly means to be a Christian. And yet just like them, we go back to our sin. We go back and we do the things that we know that we're not supposed to do. And time and time again. Yes, over and over again. And yet if we could just grasp Mm -hmm. the gift that we have of our bodies as the temple, but more than that, the Holy Spirit indwelling Inside within us. us, then we would change how we approach everything. We would. If it's a literal, it's a literal indwelling. Yes. And I think that's what people don't understand. You know, when you listen to those things mm-hmm. and you allow those things or you say those things, when you get upset when you're driving right. and you show that finger, I mean, you yeah. know, like it's all a display of Jesus Christ. And I think if we mm-hmm. would just keep that in our minds, then we would change a lot of the ways and the things that we do. Yeah. So what's the challenge for today? One commentator said, serving is not a performance. Instead, cultivating a servant's heart begins with understanding our position before a holy God. So begin today by living a life of service. What if I have a position of authority though? You know, so you may think that, you know, how can I live a life of service if I'm responsible for people? Do I give that up? The greatest leaders have always been servant leaders. So be humble. Humility is the inward attitude of the heart that reflects an outward demeanor. So others will recognize we're different from the world. So live differently from the world and start today by finding ways to serve. And then, you know, just on a side note, Paul didn't worry about what everybody was saying about him. That's right. So if you are truly seeking the Lord and serving the Lord and honoring him, live for that audience of one and let what everybody else is saying just roll off your back. You know, it shouldn't and matter. It shouldn't matter. At the end of the day, it only matters what, what God thinks. Yeah. And God knows your heart and he knows your intentions. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Tabitha, will you just close us out in a word of prayer? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today. Lord, we thank you, God, for the example that Jesus set for us as living for an audience of one. And, you know, it would be easy for us to to do that if we knew that we had a great reward here on this earth, if we were going to get a pat on the back. But God, we know that our reward awaits us in heaven. And so God, I pray that we could just remain faithful to serving you, to doing what you've called us to do and not worrying about what other people say and how other people treat us, God, but that we would determine today to live for you, for the audience of one. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you to everybody that listened today. So glad we could get back in the studio recording together. And we told y'all earlier on when we started the series that we're going to start getting into some controversial topics. And next week, (laughs) it begins. The fun begins. So you don't want to miss that. Thank you to everybody for always listening and supporting us. Remember, as always, a sincere desire to become purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.